0: Good morning, welcome to this pre-recorded worship service at Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're glad that you have joined us in worship. Thank you for allowing us to lead you in worship during the next hour. We hope and trust that this service allows you to get nearer to God, that you would sense God's presence and the Holy Spirit in your life as we worship together, though physically apart. We realize that worshiping at home can be a challenge, so we encourage you to create a sacred space in your home so you can worship with those that are with you. And we hope that you'll be able to light a candle safely as a reminder of the presence of our trying God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we do on the communion table here in the sanctuary. Perhaps you will want to silence your cell phones and sing along with our beautiful musicians when they lead us in singing hymns. We hope that this day will be a blessing and worship will bless your life. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God by listening to this beautiful prelude.
1: Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us worship God.
2: of God, periods of discomfort often lead to necessary changes. Through it all, Jesus would want us to remember that in him there is no longer East nor West, Jew nor Greek, black nor white. Let us confess our sin together. Almighty God, source of all that is, giver of every good gift, You create all people in your image and call us to love one another as you love us. We confess that we have failed to honor you in the great diversity of the human family. We have desired to live in freedom while building walls between ourselves and others. We have longed to be known and accepted for who we are while making judgments of others based on the color of skin or the shape of features or the varieties of human experience. We have tried to love our neighbors individually while yet benefiting from systems that hold those same neighbors in oppression. Forgive us, holy God. Give us eyes to see you as you are revealed in all people. Strengthen us for the work of reconciliation rooted in love. Restore us in your image to be beloved community, united in our diversity, even as you are one with Christ and the Spirit, holy and undivided Trinity, now and forever, amen. Hear the good news. Jesus came to call us to repentance. Jesus died that we might be forgiven. Jesus was raised that we might know eternal life. In his name, your sins are forgiven. Turn towards God and sin no more. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us say what we believe by reciting together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. Let us now take a moment to greet those around us and let's take a look back at what Pentecost looked like in your homes.
3: So holy spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and
4: Good morning, it is my joy to welcome you to the traditional worship. We are so glad that you are here with us today. By now, you have already heard the good news that we are in phase two of reopening in Florida, whoop, whoop. It means we are one step closer to being together again. Now, I don't know exactly what that means for us here at Church of the Palms, but I do know that our number one priority is your safety And we are desperately and so excited to get together again. So stay tuned, um, check your email, check the website. We will be giving you some information on that, hopefully this upcoming week. I am also very excited to announce that we reached our financial goal for Day of Hope. So we are set financially to serve 250 children on July 18th. If you would like to help, you can still volunteer by going to our website and click the buttons there so you can sign up for that special day and getting ready for it. It's not too late for you to join in on the reading through the Gospel of Mark. We're doing a daily reading and our devotionals are following that. So we would love to have you join us uh, for that time. Our Summer Connect edition is available. It is online, it's at the bottom of our e-blast as well. It is really um, fun this time because of the digital format, Jackie has been able to add some buttons so that it is an interactive magazine. If you click on a button, you will take you to some videos that we have done as well as some other interesting content, content. If for some reason you don't have access to a computer, please call the front office. We would be happy to send you a copy. Finally, we have a new memory verse for this month, and I think it is such an important one given the the times that we are living in. And it comes from John 14, verses 27 through 28. And Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Let us continue our worship of God.
3: See
1: Pray. <clears throat> Gracious and loving God, on this Trinity Sunday, as we celebrate your three personhood, as we rejoice in your nature of three equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, interdependent in the dance of the divine, we remember that this is also your vision for the world that as you have shown to us what it means to be in relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what it means to be in communion and in harmony with one another, so we cry out today for such communion and harmony in this world that you have created. For we are not a united creation. We see again our broken world. We are a fractured fellowship and we need you We need to commune within your circle. We need drawn into your circle dance. We need to see each and every human being as a dance partner with you and with ourselves. Help us to know that the dance doesn't begin until all have arrived. Help us, Lord, to hear the cries. Help us to listen to the lament. Help us to whatever degree we can feel the pain. Allow us to be instructed in this time. Quiet our immediate responses until we sense that we have walked in other people's shoes. And then, O Lord, and only then help us to speak up. Give us courage and compassion to not let victims walk alone inspire us to find a way to contribute to the solution so that we can step closer to that yearning you have for all your people that they may be one and that we all may know that we are loved and that all may be treated as equal partners in the great dance this we pray in the name of jesus christ who taught us to pray saying Well in the midst of the world's difficulties, disharmony and pandemic to name a couple, scripture reminds us nevertheless to be thankful in all things because it is our thankfulness that leads to our generosity and it's our generosity that allows us to meet the needs that surround us and it is when we meet the needs that surround us that we show the world that God truly is love and that Christ's light still shines in this world. This weary old world is desperate for good news and whether it be through the feeding of the sick or whether it be through supporting our mission partners or providing kids backpack for schools or ministering to those who are in need, you name it, we get to be the good news people. You see on the screen the ways by which you can support our ministry. Your generosity has been amazing and we look forward to seeing what God will do as we continue through these strange and difficult days. Let us pause then for this moment of gratitude played by our guest musician, Thomas Kowalczyk.
5: us pray. Lord Jesus, you've entrusted us with the the gifts that our people have given and ask us to help build your kingdom. We respond with thanksgiving and praise, and we ask that these gifts will be used according to your will to love and serve who you call to us. And we give you praise for all of this in the name of our Lord. Amen.
6: to you kids I'm here to do the children's moment today so if you're not watching the tv or the computer it's a good time to to bring yourself close because I have something fun planned I think a couple of quick announcements as has become our normal practice right after this service Miss Carol will be on that zoom call and she's going to be waiting for you and she has all sorts of fun shenanigans planned so I hope that you will join her Uh, In addition, we're just so terribly sad to have heard this news uh, the last week that Montreat has canceled all of their programming, and so our high schoolers are really bummed about that, and we are too. But rest assured that we are looking for alternative ways that we might support their spiritual formation uh, during this summer. So I've been thinking this week, uh, it's been noisy. My house is very noisy. I have a dog that just bark, bark, barks all the time. I have a daughter that talk, talk, talks all the time. I love her, but she does. And I have been told on occasion that I can go on and on. So between that and then it's been very noisy on the news and it's been very noisy on the internet. And it caught me to thinking that a lot of us are a lot better at talking than listening. When his disciple asked him what the greatest commandment was Jesus said love your lord or love your, lo, your the lord your god with all your heart all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself and i've been thinking that maybe loving god with my whole heart looks a lot like listening to god and maybe loving my neighbor means listening to my neighbor. So I've decided I'm gonna work on it and I think I'm gonna ask Pastor Lori, could you come help me with something? Oh, yes. We'll see what kind of listener I am here. I, I made this my own self. Oh, Very okay, cool, so, looks like something I used to know. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you whisper something in the cup and I'm gonna listen real close and, okay. and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what you said, okay? okay? Hold on, we have to get it nice and tight. doofenshmirtz? <laughs> no, I said, tell me more. <gasps> Lori, Miss Lori, and pa- pa- Pastor Lori and Pastor Steve say that all the time because yeah. they're always so curious about other people. Now, yeah. I'm going to try one. I think I got to work on my listening. Let's see okay. if Pastor Lori is a good listener. God is love. God is love. I knew that she was going to get it. Because one thing, if you don't know it about Pastor Lori, is she's an excellent, excellent listener. I'm very lucky to call her friend. In James, uh, the book of James in the New Testament, it also says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So we should be quick to listen, slow to speak. I'm going to try to be a better listener God gave us all two ears and one mouth, so this is going to help me out because I should be able to, if I really try to listen, twice as much as I talk. You pray with me? Dear God, thank you for blessing us all with so many people from whom we can learn. Give us the patience to listen to you and to listen to one another. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lori.
1: Thank you, Sarah and Lori, for that great message. Well, our message this morning is gonna be a little different, a little different than the traditional sermon that you come to expect at this particular time during the service. Last 10 days or so have been a troublesome time for our nation and we have lived and tried to seek how to live in the wake of the killing of George Floyd, Ahmed Aubrey and others. Great anguish and pain has been expressed across our country, and rightfully so, such tragedies continue to occur with far too much regularity. Frankly, one is one too many. With all the efforts toward finding answers and solutions, it seemed that one thing is clear, and that maybe the first thing we should be doing, as Sarah just said, is listening. Listening to the pain, listening to our African-American brothers and sisters to try to understand not only what events like this mean, but what experiences they endure while living in the reality of racism every day. Well, as it turns out, uh, several months ago, a group here at Church of the Palms began to meet to talk about the issue of race and the church and to wonder what the Church of Jesus Christ, and, and in particular, Church of the Palms, what can we do to engage this issue and lean into the systems of racism? We, we've read books together, we've discussed, we began thinking about what steps Church of the Palms can take to be an agent of reconciliation. And one of those steps was to seek out a predominantly African-American American congregation in town with which to create a sister church relationship. You know the old adage that 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings is the most segregated hour of the week. So, why not try to begin to bridge that divide? Well, two members of our group, Moira Dunn and Melvin Christian, suggested reaching out to Calvin Lumpkin, pastor of the Light of the World International Church. My friend Melvin arranged a lunch with Kelvin and I, and after a wonderful conversation with the three of us, we agreed that this was the right thing to do and to begin the work. So at the beginning of March, I took the opportunity when I wasn't preaching here to go over and worship with our friends at Light of the World, and Kelvin asked me to say a few words to the congregation, and I had the chance to witness his great gift of preaching, and while we were on our way. Well, a few days after that, COVID-19 hit and the world shut down. And Well, just last weekend, however, when the country erupted over the recent murders of African-Americans, I, I reached out to Calvin and asked if he would enter into a conversation with me about these events, such that it could be shared with our congregation and perhaps his own. He graciously agreed, and, and we recorded a conversation between us two pastors on Thursday. And, and in place of the sermon, we are going to share that conversation with you as a part of our worship. We do this in this spirit of listening as the necessary first step toward being brothers and sisters in Christ and seeking ways to bring about a better world. If we don't listen first, then we really don't know what to say and what to do to support those who have far too often and far too long been victimized by the systemic racism in our culture. Now, I said this conversation was recorded on Thursday, June 4th, and it it stretches a little bit longer than the time I would normally take to preach, but it's far more interesting than anything that's ever come out of my mouth. So I encourage you to to listen and take it all that in and, and pray with me as we seek to bring about hope for our world. Our final hymn and benediction will follow the conversation. So I've asked my dear friend uh, the Reverend Melvin Christian who along with his wife Mary are members and regular worshipers at our 11 o'clock service and as I said Melvin introduced me to Kelvin and I asked him if he would come and read the scripture for us this morning and then following the scripture we will play for you Thursday's conversation. Melvin welcome.
7: Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Amos chapter 5 verses 18 through 24. It reads as follows, alas for you who desire the day of the Lord, why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear. I went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. It is not the day of the Lord. darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
5: you for being here, my friend.: Thank you. it's my pleasure yeah. my pleasure to be here.
1: And uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself your ministry, you know what, what you've been uh, your uh, experiences over there so
5: Yeah, um, so I'm a native of Sarasota. I don't think there's a whole lot of us who were actually born and raised here, but I was. Uh, I went out to college and actually answered the call to preach and felt the call calling to preach while I was in college. Uh, well I think I might have always deep down. Known it. Um, I come from a family of pastors. My grandfather pastored here in Sarasota. My uncle pastored, and my great-grandfather pastored a church in Bradenton. So uh, he kinda it's kind of in the, in the blood. And I ran from it, like I'm sure probably all of us did in some way. But uh, answered the call to preach in college, and then felt also the burden to come back home, not really sure for what. And I was my uncle's assistant pastor for a while. And then I felt uh, led to start uh, a church, which is now Light of the World Church, and uh, that's been 20 years ago. Wow! Church just celebrated my 20th anniversary. I don't know where those years went. You're too young. uh thank years you. Years. Yeah, I started the church like when I was five years old. <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> and um, it's just been amazing to to see what God has done in our church, and and uh, somewhere along the line um, in our ministry, uh, well, it was actually a trip to Africa. I went to Uganda on a missions trip and uh, I went on that trip with kind of my American arrogance thinking, let's go help these folk out. But the church that we partnered with was amazing and I I realized at some point in the trip that I didn't go to help. I went to be helped. Uh, The church that we partnered with had this amazing mission and they were impacting the whole country. And it dawned on me uh, it was like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing at church? We're just, we're going through the motions. We're just having a good time, but are we really impacting? And, uh, that was a watershed moment for me. And so I came back a different person, uh, and I started preaching different and challenging my church. We can't just have good times on Sunday mornings. We can't just have good singing and good preaching. Uh, if that doesn't translate into community impact and service, then I think we failed in our mission. And, uh, you know, I was excited about that message, but you know, some people, much to my chagrin, didn't want to hear that. You know, some folk are just content being religious and just having a good time at church. And I was kind of shocked by that. And um uh, and so uh that was not only a shift in me, but a shift in the church that at that point. I was like, we can't do this, we gotta serve. And so, you know, over these last ten years I've really tried to preach the same message in different ways that we've gotta impact, we have to have a try to, try to create a service culture in our church service ethic and uh and that's really happening so our church really has it and we really want to impact the community and really want to serve the community
1: Mm, mm, that's great that's wonderful
5: yeah well i've 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 noticed from afar and,
1: and a little bit up close just the efforts that you and your congregation are making toward trying to speak into the The systems that are around
5: us and and the community and how how that experience been i mean what you know um it's easy and hard to me um it's easy in the sense that speaking out against ill is just right so it's easy when it's when right is right it's not hard um but when you start challenging mindsets then there's almost almost always some backlash you know you lose some friends uh, some people are saying just preach Jesus and I feel like I am <laughs> preaching Jesus. I am preaching Jesus and um, and I, I just, you know, I've challenged and lately with everything that's going on, um, and you heard my sermon last Sunday, I've really challenged my white brothers and sisters. Um, and I think I've earned the right to do that because anybody who knows me knows I am committed to racial reconciliation. I've tried to lead conversations uh, with my white brothers and sisters and I, I even had a meeting at my church. It didn't go too well between white and black pastors and what I say didn't go too go well. I invited some pastors to talk about race. It didn't go well in the sense that everybody was kind of nervous to kind of talk. And I've been longing for a very honest dialog between white and black pastors. And now uh, we're going to get there because it's it's difficult. But I think it's necessary if we're going to move beyond some of the problems we see in our in our country and in our community. And I believe the Church of Jesus Christ is the answer. I believe we gotta lead the way. And so everybody knows I'm committed to racial anybody who knows me knows I'm committed to that. So I think that's why I've got the the weight to kind of speak on some of these things and challenge my white brothers and sisters to speak out against some of the some of the things, some of the injustice and and to even challenge racism even in, in their own churches. And so um, you know, I've had some some tough sermons here lately. <laughs> but uh i believe it's right um i believe right is right and i think with everything that's going on as crazy as uh things are in our country i think it's actually a good time to approach these conversations i think i've seen a a receptivity that I haven't seen in, in, in a while if ever people are really ready to talk people on both sides of the political aisle are like ready to talk so i'm like let's strike while the iron's hot and let's have some of these tough conversations So we can kind of get past some of this and never see that kind of thing happen in Sarasota that happened in Minneapolis and other places. Right, right.
1: Well, we were talking before about,
5: you know, um, at least from my
1: experience, um, what makes it so difficult to really talk honestly about race has to do with our own defensiveness, you know, and I think especially in um, being a pastor of a white congregation um, or a predominantly white congregation that um we were always resistant to kind of let down our guard and yeah. and explore potential racial issues we have are within ourselves yeah. and uh and to be open and honest about and vulnerable when it comes to that that conversation
5: it's hard <laughs> um some years ago i went a de- there was a delegation from sarasota that went to high point north carolina there was uh some people from the police department and city government i was invited and we went to study their policing model, how they, the High Point Police Department did this amazing job in shutting down the open-air drug markets, and when the drug markets go, the violence goes. But what we found out was something we didn't uh, expect. Um, part of their drug market initiative ended up bringing about racial healing in the city because, and here's why, the police department came and had a very honest talk with the black community, and they had it out. They, they were honest to each other. You know, the police department said, we feel this. You don't care about your own community. You let this happen. The black community said this. Well, this is how we feel about you. You guys this. And they aired it out and came out so united that when anybody tried to sell drugs in the black community in High Point, the black residents were the ones with the police back and saying, you're not going to do that. And um, hmm. I was like, wow. They had this very honest conversation Right or wrong, and everybody was free to express their opinion, whether they were right or wrong. Just so say, "This is how we feel, right <laughs> or wrong." And and I thought this is amazing. And so since that time, I've been longing to have that kind of honest dialogue uh, on a community level. But uh, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Uh, like you said, uh, there there is maybe some defensive defensiveness with uh, with your community and and uh, my community. Uh, there are some, and I noticed that. Every generation has a mindset when it comes to race. You know, my mother's generation really dealt with the brunt of racism here in Sarasota, uh, but my mother was never bitter in spite of everything she went through. My mother was the first black nurse in surgery at Sarasota Memorial, and she has some stories and she didn't talk about it much. I don't know why. And so uh, there's some folk who talk about it at different levels. So it's hard to kind of have a, a meaningful dialogue. But I'll never give up on it because I think it's necessary if we're gonna if we're gonna get past some of this stuff and get past our fears and on um, both sides or anger. I just think we got to have it someday, and um, I think it starts with you know what we're doing today, and uh, you know I had a conversation with Chief Pino yesterday uh, for for my Bible study, and uh, we've been having these kind of honest talks, and I think that's a start to to getting past some of our fears to having meaningful relationship and dialogue. Uh, so we can really work together. But it, it's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's you see it's a it's a it's a tough one, a tough subject to deal with and approach. Uh, and but right. I, I'm not going to stop trying yeah. and being intentional about relationship. That's why I'm grateful for our relationship. You know, we're being intentional about uh, forming a relationship. And I look forward to that. Yeah. What we do.
1: So um, to that end, you know, as I've been saying to our people here is that one of the I think one of the first things our community needs to do is to put ourselves into a posture of listening mm-hmm. as opposed to speaking. I mean, I think speaking comes after one listens to the pain and to the, the realities of others. Mm-hmm. So to that end, I mean, uh, you know, help our folks from your perspective in terms of leading a congregation um, of folks that are having to live into the brunt of racial prejudice and unjust systems and such, you know, um, how would you characterize
5: that reality for you and for for your folks? Yeah. Um, I have a book in my library called It Only Hurts When I Listen. And uh, the book in a nutshell is how hard it is to listen, man. Listening is an act of humility, actually. Because you got to challenge your own viewpoints. And, um, And that's what I've said to my white friends who I'm in a relationship with. And we can have honest conversations with, uh, because I think, um, white Americans and white Christians generally have a blind spot. That's not a criticism. It's not a criticism. It's just your experience. You just have a a blind spot because of your experience or, or lack of experiences. And so when I'm in the relationship, I can kind of share things that like, oh man, now I, I see it now. I was having a conversation. No, actually a, a white brother, pastor friend of mine was watching Sunday sermon. Was like, you know, now I get it now. It's like, I, I don't know what I said, but he's like, I, I get it now. Like I didn't see it before. And, uh, you know, I, our church, you know, where our church is, uh, it's in a pretty much all white neighborhood. It's only probably count the number of black people that live in that neighborhood, but the neighborhood overall has been welcoming, you know, but I walked to the church sometimes cause we live in that neighborhood and, um, and three times, I've been walking through the neighborhood or jogging and a, a, a white woman is seeing me coming and cross the street when it, there's no sidewalk. And then as soon as I pass by, I come back and I'm like, wow. And the first time it happened, it was a white guy. I presumed he was homeless and, and I'm making assumptions because he was disheveled dirty and and she walks right past him. I'm behind him some feet. She walks by him and sees me go through the other side of the street and comes back around and I'm like, wow. And that, I mean, that happened three times last year. Wow. And, and recently the su- Sunday morning happened, uh, yeah. it happened again Sunday morning and I'm like, man, you know, and that, that's the kind of thing, you know, there's this presumption because I'm a black man, even I'm the pastor of the church down the street. There's this presumption of a threat, uh, or something. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of God, you know, right. I'm, right. I'm not coming sure. out. I might pray for you, but I'm not sure. going to try to hurt you. But, <laughs> but that's just, I've dealt with that uh, all my life. And, um, when I was younger and I had a car, I was driving early and, um, man, the SPD harassed me something terrible, man. They they even pulled their guns on me and my friends one day. And you know how that can go. You can move the wrong way or they think you have something and you're you're, you're an eternity right then. So, you know, the average, you know, white kid doesn't have to deal with that kind of thing. Uh, you just don't have to deal with being followed in the store because there's a presumption that you're. Stealing something. And, and I think that this is uh, the perception in movies, media, that the African-American man is somehow a threat. And it's unconscious. It's at an unconscious level. And I think these images and stereotypes are fed at an early age that, like, for instance, my girls, this has been a few years ago. They were maybe three and four. And um, I said to my daughter, you know, you're, I don't know what we were talking about. I said, you're african Dominican. And my daughter's like, no, I'm white. I was like, what? Like, where, where'd you get that from? And I, I thought, where did, where did that come from? Like you. So I, then I did the doll experiment, like I've seen which doll is prettiest. And I thought the white one was. So I'm like, now, how at four years old do you, where do you get that from? So it was, wow. So that tells me that images, even at that age and cartoons and everything are presenting the image of Mm-hmm. or movies of a black guy playing this role or, you know, so I'm like, man, this thing is really deeply ingrained. And I was, that that my daughter's at that age, don't even know anything about the world, already forming these perceptions. How is that? Except right. that media is gotta be feeding that, that it becomes subconscious at a subconscious level. And I think that's why uh, cops have this implicit bias because of these images, the African-American man is a threat. And I'm not saying that, the, you know, don't get me wrong, I know there's some good and bad apples in every race, and there's some folk who resist arrest when they shouldn't, and I get that, I know. And, and, and you know, every black person who gets out by a cop business, I get all that. But I'm saying, I think there's this unconscious bias that this person poses a greater threat, and that may not be the case, you know. Like, right. you know, with George Floyd, he's on the ground I and mean, he's handcuffed. He's, he's not, he can't even resist if he wanted to at that point. Why do you sit on him like that? You know, right. just, you know, get up. And whether whatever he did was irrelevant to me. Whether he was wrong or not, a cop can't be judge and jury. And, uh, sure. So I think it's an unconscious bias that that we got to challenge. And I think it runs deep. Um, and, and it's hard to uproot, you know. And I think it affects how African Americans see other African Americans, that like, quite frankly, you know, I really right. do. Um, you know, I've buried a, a lot of black men who've been murdered in Sarasota. I've buried a a whole lot of men who've been killed. For some reason, somebody gets killed in Newtown, I get called to do the funeral. And I'd say I've buried about 20 black young men and only one of them was killed by a white man. So that's another argument. (laughs) Maybe it's another argument for another day, but... So, I mean, we got our work cut out. I, I feel overwhelmed at times, but I feel like I gotta say something, you know? Right. You know, like jeremiah i'm like, I'm not preaching on this anymore, but your word is like fire I said I'm not going to preach anymore, but your word is like fire shut up in my bones and so yeah, you know my community is my my joy and my pain at the same time <laughs> sure well you, you know just um again, in the effort to have the
1: conversation, I think so often um, I know you know the folks I end up talking to that default often becomes, you know, with an incident like the George Floyd incident. Well, well, you know, there's always a, you know, there's always some bad cops in the midst of. um, And then that almost sort of shuts down the conversation Mm -hmm. um, and keep it keeps us from going to the next level, which is okay, that may be the case, but there's a there are there perhaps is a greater reality here of, of, uh, racism and prejudice and, you know, the default, uh, opinion of many who would see a black man walking down the street and cross over to the other side. And, and I, uh, I just find I personally, and, and maybe I speak for a lot of our folks, you know, need to find ways to get into a deeper level of sensitivity to that, to yeah. really begin to
5: appreciate that reality that's going on i had a cop an spd cop he's retired now and he confessed him he's like kelvin you're right we were stopping black men we were profiling black men and we were doing that because i told him about my own plight and uh, he's like yeah we were doing it and uh, i won't call his name but uh he he admitted to that and um and i know there's some great cops you know it's amazing i'm surprised at the relationship i have with the police because i i was really scared i mean i still kind of am a little bit but It's funny that I work so much with the police now, the very police department that used to harass me. And there's some amazing cops. There are. But, you know, as Chris Rock, the comedian, said, you know, there's some professions you can't afford to have bad apples. Like with pilots, you can't afford to have a bad apple with the pilot. You know, you need everybody. You can't have a pilot who says, I like to land sometimes. (laughs) And I think with police officers, that's another profession where you really can't have bad apples. Because uh, when you got a bad apple as a cop, somebody's going to die. Right, And so, uh, you know, they're great cops who I think really concerned about the community. I thank God for them. But I think there um, are enough too many bad ones who kind of get edgy around African-Americans and are kind of more trigger happy. And uh, that's one too many because when sure. that guy gets killed, it's another African-American kid who doesn't have a father. You know what I'm saying? And the effect... It doesn't affect just that family. It affects the whole community. Sure. Uh, when a father is not there or in jail because of an, oh, because of an unfair sentence, it affects the whole community because then that child now leads, goes this way of life and then somebody's going to always pay for another's irresponsibility. And so um, even if it's just one or two a year, that's too many for me. Right. You know? If it's because of some bias, you know, and. Um, and for those guys to and and then you see this narrative play whenever a black man is killed by a cop inevitably somebody finds some videotape or something on him and say see this guy's a bad guy as if to say that justifies it hey let him have his day in court and you know if they've done a crime hey they got to go through the process but they, they give you a right to kill him on the street you know and uh like we saw it was in south carolina a couple maybe a year or two ago a guy a black guys running away and the cop yeah. Shoots him in the back. I mean he's running away, so he's not posing a threat to the cop. So that tells me there's mm-hmm. we don't really value your life as much. And so that that's what I'm contending during this time, you know. Sure. Whether the guy was good or bad is not the point, you know. Right. You can't be judge, jury, and executioner right. in the streets is what I'm saying, you know. Right. You know. And, and I think the in in spite of everything the African Americans have gone through in this country you know the crazy thing is i think most african americans most just want equality <laughs> i i don't know a lot of african americans that want revenge or anything i think most people just want hey man just give us a fair share give us a seat at the table and i've been critical of my community a <laughs> big time i've challenged my community as well so i'm not just one-sided and i'm not quick to pull the race car but um you know we got our work cut out, but, uh, but I think we're making progress. I really sure. do in spite of everything going on. I really do. And I'm grateful for that. You know. Well, I appreciated your
1: sermon last Sunday about lament, you what know, too
5: hard. <laughs> I, no,
1: it wasn't. No. I, and like your friend, I, I found Good. it to be a really helpful thing for me. And it, it, it heightened my sensitivity. Praise um, me. and I, I think that's, it's an interesting thing we don't often feel comfortable with lament um either our own lament yeah. or to witness the lament of others yeah. we we yeah. want to kind of push past that pretty fast so yeah. Yeah, sure. um but i i think we are in that time where it's important for us to let the lament
5: yeah. happen right yeah. and and that's um preparing for that sermon um my secret sauce of preaching is um the, the sermon has to speak to me first. If it doesn't preach to me, then I can't preach it. You know, and in my time of preparation, as I let the text deal with me, you know, it, it was, it's hard. You know, right. that lamenting, it's hard. It's painful because it, you got to ask God some stuff it, you know, it's like, God, come on, you know, right. what's going on? That's how Psalm 10 starts off like God In in the Kelvin Lumpkin translation of the Bible, God, what's going on, man? What's up? You know, <laughs> Think, things are going crazy. You're not acting. And so you got to wrestle with that and God, and that's uncomfortable. But uh, but it's almost like God invites us to come right. He's not intimidated by our right. questions, our struggle. And then with every psalm of lament, it starts off with God, what's up? To God, you're faithful. You know, God arrives. You've heard the prayer of the humble. So there's always that resolution of the tension. And so, but I think it's time for the church to lament, and and we that means we got to face some things, and we've got to acknowledge our pain and our confusion you know and that's where i am right now sure
1: well and i think as brothers and sisters in christ you know i think often and again our human response to others lament is to somehow try to make them quickly feel better you know yeah. and, uh, here yeah, yeah. get over it you know relax yeah, yeah. you know not that bad yeah. and right and because i think it's a way for us to avoid our own pain you know it, yeah. uh, and but the more that we lean into that, with our brothers and sisters, on every level, the more that we connect. We, the more that we, we begin to participate in each other's reality. You're so
5: right, and uh, every time I preach a sermon, I always forget to say something, and, uh, and, that, and I always go home like, God, I forgot to say that. Join the, join the. But one of the things, yeah, join the club. But but one of one of my sermon points, which I didn't preach Sunday, was that the crazy irony is that lamenting actually strengthens community. It actually (laughs) brings us together, even though it's uncomfortable. I really believe that it it strengthens us. And uh, so I'm embracing it in this time. And, um, you know, burning, listen, rioting and protesting aren't the same thing. I'm all for protesting, but burning stores down and stealing, that's not protest. That's not justice. Uh, But protesting in, in, in a peaceful way in a truthful way I believe is, is a healthy part of, of, of lament and injustice. you know. Sure you
1: know I means. yeah so uh, and Dr.
5: King is the model of that yeah. he protested but uh, didn't burn anything down and uh, was able to sit at the table with the, his detractors and try to find common ground and that's right. tough but but it's necessary and I believe that's history's proven that that's an effective way.
1: Sure sure it really has. Well to that end. Um, you know when you think about how um a congregation like Church of the palms or any of the you know white community per se um would engage this issue and engage um the african American community engage the issues of racism and prejudice and all that, you know what comes to your mind you know what would it, would it be your counsel to to us that um You know, some steps that we personally as individuals and and then certainly as a congregation Mm. we would or should consider as we.
5: Well, you know, I think we're starting to do something. I think, first of all, build relationships with people who aren't like you. You know, our church is becoming more diverse, it's still predominantly black. But I thank God for those uh, white members of Light of World who are, and they're coming to be intentional about relationship. I think we got to do that. Uh, It's, and I use the word intentional on purpose because. It's uncomfortable at times, but it gets us out of our comfort zone. Um, I think that my white brothers and sisters must stand up to the racism in their own congregations. We worshiped uh, with the church a couple of years ago, a predominantly white church during a hurricane. Whatever last hurricane that came and kind of brushed us, our church lost power. So I reached out to a pastor and said, hey, you know, can we use your building? I left a message for him. He called back and uh, said, hey. I got through, I got your message, here's three scenarios. You can use our church on Saturday. You can use it Sunday afternoon, or we can do a joint worship together. I was like, oh, that sounds like God, you know. This is this is pretty much an all-white church. I was like, that's great. So we did a joint service. I preached, our choir sang. And this pastor confessed to me. Some of my people said, we're not coming. We don't want to come worship. This was, you know, just a couple years ago now after Hurricane. As, but I honor him, and I always will, because he stood up. And worship with us, anyways, but it was devastating that yeah. in this day and time, <laughs> church, there's a, there, there and, and, and please understand me, it was not the majority of that church. It, right. was, it wasn't the majority, it was a few people in that congregation. I want to make that clear. The majority embraced us and welcomed us. So, and the right. worship was great. But it still kind of stung a little bit that there were some people who wouldn't come to worship because the black congregation was coming. I'm like, you got to be kidding me right. in this day and time. But but it wasn't the majority, so I don't want to paint that painted that way, and I don't want to brush that whole church. It's a great sure. church and with great people. So and in a great pastor. And so, but here's my point. In all, saying all that is that he stood firm on it. And, you know, they're coming. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I think that takes courage. And um, I, I think that when racial things come, I think also you all have to commit to learning and being sensitive as you are. But uh, you got to speak on it. You know, I think that's when the civil rights movement turned, when those white pastors and rabbis and priests got on the struggle. I think things turned. Mm-hmm. And, um, and um, we need that in spite of, how bad things are, I think we've come a ways as a country. I mean, we elected a black president for two terms. I think that's significant. (laughs) That doesn't say that we've solved every problem, but I think that's (laughs) huge. Right, sure. Um, I mean, my mother probably thought she'd never see that in her lifetime, but she did, so I I, I don't discount that. But I think also his election brought to the surface some things that were kind of dormant and some sentiments as well, so it also showed that we still got a ways to go. So I think relationship is key. I think if we keep being intentional about relationship and working together about how we can serve together jointly, um, I was thinking about that on the way here. I think we can make this a pretty awesome place. You know, I think we can tear down some some walls and and, and I don't think we're gonna eliminate racism, but I think we can mute the voices and make those voices irrelevant. Right. I think we can push them out to the margins. You know, (laughs) I really do. That's what that's what my hope is. I think we can overwhelm the racist sentiment in this community. I'm not going to eliminate it. This is a, this is a sin right. problem, right? That will always be <laughs> right, a right. sin problem. Sure. But we can neutralize it. Mm-hmm. And I believe the body of Christ has to do. it. There's no legislation that can do it. And we need that to make sure everybody gets a their fair share. But uh, gets a fair opportunity. But the Church of Jesus Christ has to do because we're the only organism, organization where race is irrelevant. It should be there's neither Jew nor Greek. In Christ, really, race is irrelevant. Right. Race doesn't play a factor in the kingdom. It shouldn't. Right. So if we don't do it, it's not going to be done. So it's going to take a lot of bravery. I think on both of our hands, quite frankly, in different ways, I think we face different resistance. I saw a rabbi call me. I'm trying to channel my my people's anger into a constructive way. And A rabbi told me day, I'm trying to get my people, they're not angry enough (laughs) about this. Hmm. So we got different challenges on other side. She's trying to get them angry about this, about injustice, and I'm trying to, how can we channel the anger into a constructive way? Into a meaningful way, so.
1: Well, I think that, you know, you use the word intentional, and, um, you know, like so many things, you know, we get these crises that, you know, erupt and, uh, and everybody gets sort of um passionate and then um but that intentional you know persistence over time is yeah. really the thing that and i and I speak for myself and and you know many that I know that you know unless I put it on my you know priority list and yeah. unless I become. You know create a plan of intentionality around these kinds of things and i won't pick up the phone and call you or i won't pick up the phone and you know try to foster
5: some relationships yeah. that i have and um, we got to do it yeah <laughs> it's, it's never going to be the perfect time and uh we got to do it uh me and a white pastor went to breakfast the other day and uh whereas we're sitting together i'm noticing people watching us and of course tensions are high everywhere and i think they're kind of watching and at one point the conversation got animated not at each other because i mean this guy blessed my daughter blessed one of my daughters and so he's like a true brother and i think they might have thought we might i guess <laughs> everybody's looking at it and yeah, kind right. of wondering looking at our dynamic wondering what's going on it's kind of kind of funny to me but uh <laughs> i thought it was good that they saw us singing just a little thing like that i yeah. think is huge and seeing us work together and, and be together and break bread together is huge so I try to, even those little things I'm trying to, I try to be intentional about. And, um, and I think those things make a difference. And so much so that I've had people come, I had a white guy come to me and confess. Uh, he, uh, it was a funeral at my church. He came to, he's like, I, he, and he called me urgently Monday. I got to talk to him. Like, who is this guy? I'm kind of nervous. Like, is he crazy? And he comes and says, listen, I got to, he was burdened with guilt. Like, I got a confession to make. I wasn't going to come to the funeral because first of all, it was a new town, which our building wasn't in Newtown. I wasn't going to come and say to do me, but I realized after your sermon that, you know, you know, people in Newtown are people too. They're human too. And, uh, and he was just really sincere. It was beautiful actually. And, uh, he was like, I'm sorry. You know, I just, I get it now. I see that, you know, these problems do affect me. And, and, uh, it, it was a pretty refreshing thing. And, uh, wow. so, you know, I think patience and, and, uh, talking to each other can help people. Sure get through those things, so I'm committed to it, yeah, I'm in it for the long haul, so
1: wow oh, oh, yeah i uh, and you know kind of the way you started it it really has to do with relationships, and yeah. through relationships, we begin to really yeah. understand other realities that we yeah. uh we can't
5: quite grasp on our own you yeah know, we do we do yeah. desperately need each other, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really do, and uh what affects one affects other, and uh and, and again, I've tried to humble myself and listen, too, because when you're African-Americans, you can be defensive and as well in a different way, obviously. But um, I've, I've heard some of my white friends out and what they hear and their perceptions about the community has really been helpful to me. And so um, I'm committed to listening as well. So it's not just a one sided conversation because, you know, there's some things I need to hear as an mm-hmm. African-American man. And so. Um, so, yeah. Let's do it. Let's. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna change the world, man, but uh, I think we can help change Sarasota. Oh yeah, we'll we'll do our best. Well, we'll I want to say best. thanks for being here.
1: I, oh, it's uh, my pleasure, man. I'm you're sorry. a busy man, and uh, and especially right now, I'm. You're being pulled in a thousand different directions, and I'm. <laughs> the phone's grateful. been ringing a couple of times. Yeah, uh, well, I'm grateful for all the efforts you're making, and it. Um, I. I look forward to our relationship as congregations, and. It comes at a strange time when we actually can't be together. Yeah, no, uh, right. <laughs> um, but uh, both of our congregations are not worshiping in yeah. person, so we uh, we look forward to that day when that does yeah, happen. Yeah. And because um, you owe
5: me lunch now, you owe me lunch. You, you owe yeah. me a sermon too now. That's right. <laughs> you owe me a sermon. And you, well, you yeah. Well, okay. I will. <laughs> I will make good
1: on my debts. So uh, I don't know why you owe me a sermon. Why do you owe me? That? I don't know. I just. I,
5: <laughs> you owe me a service. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> well, you owe me a visit here on Sunday morning, yeah. too. So anyway, well, thanks, Kelvin. Hey, thank and you, um, thank you, man. It's been a blessing to to hear um, uh, from you, and uh, I look forward to many, many more conversations. Yeah. And the yeah. chance to begin to create a new reality for our world. Yeah, so. I look
5: forward to the journey. I look right. forward to the journey, too.
1: Well, let me pray for us. Amen. Lord, thanks for uh, this chance to be together. I'm grateful for my, my brother in Christ and for the uh, opportunity we've had to have a conversation. I'm grateful for his uh, honest sharing with us, and we are uh, grateful for the blessing he brings to us to discover more about our world and uh, these days and these times that we may um, be learning and growing and more importantly, um, representing your love and grace in this world that we may truly become uh, one people uh, as uh, children of our, uh, of our Father in heaven. We thank you for uh, the blessings that uh, you bestow upon us and pray that we may intentionally work our way into more and more relationships such that we may truly um, see how we are uh, one in your sight. And I thank you for all these things and pray your blessing upon us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let us pray gracious God you came to us in the form of your son Jesus Christ in order that you would listen to us that you would hear our cries and hear our pain that you would hear our yearning to be healed you would hear our need for your love and so Lord we pray that you will now give us the spirit of listening to our brothers and sisters in this world Who cry aloud from their pain and we pray O God that we may not only listen but that we would begin to understand the journey that they are on and that we may find ways to join them in that journey and to allow them to see that we are walking with them and that they can through our life with them know that they are not alone but that they are encouraged By the community of christ white black whatever the color may be so lord we pray that you will allow our church to be a beacon of light in this world and that you would allow us to be the great encouraging family of all those who yearn to know of your love and of equality in this world all this we pray in jesus name